On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. and fire. Rock's not dead. It's hiding. And you found it. Well done. Welcome to Cobras and Fire. Today we are going to feature Baco's recap of his adventures at Northern Invasion, which is an all-day hard rock fest in Wisconsin. It's the first year for this fest, but it's part of AEG Live's World's Loudest Month series of hard rock fests across the U.S., which includes Rock on the Range and Rocklahoma and a bunch of others that uncreatively have the word rock in them. But Baco had the privilege of a Decibel Geek press pass, which gave him all access front row to all the bands that day. And he did interviews, which will be featured and transcribed on Decibel Geek and he just breaks down the whole experience. It's, it's pretty interesting. Also, this episode, we just go on rants about fests, the positives and negatives of fests in general, as well as the music industry. A lot of chatter, a lot of debate going back and forth, a lot of fun. But before we get into all that, one of the bands that he unfortunately didn't see because he was interviewing you know, many other bands at the same time, there's just a conflict is a newer band that if you look on the roster of bands that day, it's kind of like a seeing eye chart, and they're near the bottom. So it's you have to squint to see their name, which definitely check out those, those bottom rungs when you go to these fests because you'll discover some great new bands that way. But they are called We Are Harlot, and they definitely have a silly name. They were featured in a previous episode. They named themselves We Are Harlot because there was already a band called Harlot, and... That's the same thing as calling yourselves We Are Kiss, We Are Motley Crue, silly. Pick another band name. But regardless of that, there's some great songs in their debut, and this is one of them called The One.
Welcome to Cobras and Fire. I'm your host, Luce Cannon, along with the great, the amazing, the incredible Baco. How are you, sir? I am well. How are you? I'm good. This kind of sounded like you were a magician there, didn't it? Yeah, presto. <laughs> well, I know that you've had an amazing... The great Bacchini. Yes, the great Bacchini. I like that. Well, I know you've had a great week of rock, kind of like I did last week. Uh, before we get into that, just kind of re- want to recap... For anybody that subscribed on iTunes or your favorite podcast app, we want to say welcome back. Last week, our Bruce Kulik interview was just phenomenal as far as the the number of people that listened to it. Blued up. Say it again? Blued up. Oh, yeah. I mean, and this is not really – it just makes us feel good for for one thing, and that is that that people want to hear – you know, when we did the Bruce Kulik interview, the thing I wanted to do is I didn't want to just do it and for it to be in some, you know, we're a newer podcast. I was hoping, yep. man, I hope a lot of people listen to this because the guy spent his, you know, spent his time with us and we sent out a press release and we want to say thank you to, I think I have the full list here, Brave Words, Melodic Rock, uh, Kiss, Kiss Facts, um, obviously Decibel Geek. If they didn't share it, I'd be pretty pissed. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to think of everybody I'm trying to, trying to uh, that I'm forgetting, but but essentially, you know, we we made the effort of sending out a press release, sending it to a lot of uh, of rock sites, and and you know, we got the traffic as a result. And we're a newer podcast, and we're pretty happy when we have listens in the hundreds, you know, several hundred for our for our past episodes. Right. This, this one is in the several thousands, and it was just awesome to see. Like I would go back and refresh it; it'd be like a hundred new lessons an hour and they're coming from all over the place so we're just happy and we're, we're glad that that bruce got the exposure that he deserved and we hope that that for you listeners coming back they understand the style of interview that it was and the type of sense of humor and the type of of I guess, <laughs> questions in general is relative to many different related subjects and, and bands that we are going to feature correct baco that's correct, and, and and I believe I texted you that every journey begins with the first Bruce Kulik interview. <laughs> I don't think that's written anywhere except that text, but <laughs> but yes, I, I I find it to be true. So again, we're just really happy that 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 took off the way it did, and and yeah, and thanks to Bruce. Here. What a cool guy! I, I wish I could have been there. Yeah, although really I would have ruined the interview. I. Uh, I I would have been more like Chris Farley on Saturday Night Live interviewing you, you somebody. Remember, like, you remember that time? You mean like that? <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, I would have been like, that was awesome. <laughs> so yeah. no, it was it was it was better. Yeah. So anyway, so that's that's that. And why don't you, so you know, last week was Sammy Hagar, Bruce Kulick, etc. For me, now it looks like the, you know, the we flipped the switch. Why don't you talk about your your week of rock? Uh, well, it, it started on Saturday with uh, Northern Invasion, and then uh, a couple nights, well, yeah, two nights ago, uh, I did see YNT at a local bar here in in the Twin Cities area. Okay. Um, but uh, the, the 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 big one was the Northern Invasion one because it was it was an all day festival. It had been something that I had been uh, working on for quite some time, as far as you know. Once I got the the press credentials to cover it for Decibel Geek. And things of that nature. So I was, you know, lining up interviews and, and trying to get things, you know, uh, ready for my time there. So all I'm getting at is it was clearly a bigger event. And it was my really first opportunity to, to cover something of that magnitude, I guess, is the best way to put it. I'll tell you right now, if you put a gun to my head, I couldn't tell you one Y&T song. So, and, and I'm not saying that as a, a negative. I'm just explaining... Why don't you give me like a starter kit of if I was going to listen to three tracks by them to kind of convert me? What would well, if be? I was, if I was picking three, it'd be "Don't Stop Running," "Rock and Roll Is Going to Save the World," and "Contagious." But their biggest hit is a song called "Summertime Girls," which I've heard, you that. Know, I was, I've heard that. I don't like that one really. I, 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 I've I heard I, that. It's okay. 
it, yeah, it's it's all right. I mean, if you're going to get hard rock on top forty radio, I'll take that. But sure, the rest of their stuff, I I don't know. If we haven't talked about it too much, but I I can't stand people that like try to insist that certain bands are underrated when they typically just there's pretty good reasons why they're not Bon Jovi. Kicks, for example. Yeah, Kicks is a great example. And by the way, I usually like the bands we're talking about. I love sure. Kicks. But if you have paid any attention to their career, if you're familiar with their music and it isn't clear to you why they don't appeal to a broader audience, then you're really not listening. Cool, cool. No, I'll definitely check out those those three tracks just to get a little uh, starter kit there because, like I'm saying, part of this, which is great, is that we both introduce each other, be it be it a new band or an old band that we just don't know too much about. It's, it's good to, to be introduced to new music. So I'm old old band guy. Yeah, yeah, I know you are. <laughs> but, uh, that's why we trade. You'll you'll give me something yeah. I missed back in the day, and I'll give you something that you missed five years ago. Or whatever. Bubble flex. Yeah, that's right. So okay, so tell break down because I think it's, this is the first year for this particular one. But break down yeah. what what Northern Invasion is and where it's okay. at and all that stuff. Uh, just outside the Twin Cities, across the border into Wisconsin, is this tiny little town called Somerset. And they have an amphitheater there, and it's where all the Ozfests were held when that was going around. Okay. The first ever Knot Fest was held there, the Slipknot Festival. But yeah, the, the, it was like a, a festival, like you know, Slipknot, Anthrax, Volbeat, uh, you know, a lot of bands that that I like a lot, and some that I hadn't heard, and some that I don't like at all. Right. So it was it was a pretty good mix. It was a my a very good experience in the sense that I got to actually get really close as far as like, you know, getting into the photo pit and getting pictures of the bands and seeing it. I just want to interrupt you real quick. The pictures are incredible. You're basically on stage. Were you in the center? How does that press pit look? It's basically the front of the stage. You can walk across it. You know, it's like that. They have that little security barrier. Right, right. No, I know you're talking about, but like, Okay, you were able to move back and forth. Got it. With the exception of Slipknot, I was able to go pretty much from the end of, one end of the stage to the other. Nice. But anyway, in a nutshell, that's what it is. And they are planning on doing it annually. They said they'd be back next year. So, Yeah, I mean, I've been to... And I want to hear the details of each band. And that's what we're going to do today, too, is we're going to feature you know some songs from, from the bands that, that you enjoyed seeing that day. And, you know, I've been to four of these. It's, it's AEG Live, I believe, is the one that, that manages all of these. Okay. And I've been to Rock on the Range three times, and I've been to one that's, and that's in Columbus, Ohio. And then they have one called, you know, I'm down in Florida, so they have one called Fort Rock, which is in um, Fort Myers. So they... They have, and the thing that's kind of funny about this is I think the first two, I think the first one was Rocklahoma or Rock on the Range. I don't know which was first. but Yeah, I'm not sure either. It was pretty close. I, I think it was Rocklahoma, but. Yeah, it was just those two. And then the last, and I went to Rock on the Range in 2010, 11, and 12. Went three years in a row. Uh, I have uh, a couple buddies up up north in Indiana and Illinois. So we kind of just made that a little pilgrimage there to, to rock out for a couple days. But. Then it started spanning to they have Carolina Rebellion. They have Welcome to Rockville, which is in Jacksonville. They have uh, River City Rock Fest in Texas. They've got Rock Fest, I think, uh, uh, in Missouri. And then, of course, the one you went to, Northern Invasion. And the thing that's just, I think, kind of bizarre about all this is that, you know, why name them all different? They're, they're uncreatively named, too. Like Rock on the Range is, what do you think about a range? <laughs> well, it's a wide open space, right? No, the, the 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 range that they're okay, or driving range, or any kind of range, you know, home on the range where the buffalo roam. The buff, buffalo do not roam inside of a minor league soccer stadium. That's that's where it's at. Oh, so it's uh, it's in a like a, a built stadium with with uh, structured seating and things of that nature. Yeah, it's just in a random place where. I can't remember the name of the the soccer team, but it's right outside of um, Ohio State, <laughs> and it's right from downtown Columbus. And I'm like, who the fuck named this rock on the range? It doesn't even well, make any sense. But but go ahead. Let let me describe the scene at, at what, what Somerset Amphitheater is like because I've been yeah. there a lot. It's basically a grass hill bowl. 
Oh, it I goes saw down. It. Okay, yeah, and, and there is. I mean, when bands like Kiss play there, of course, they they set up chairs and things of that nature so they can charge more. But it was all open. It was just. It was mainly general admission. They had a VIP package, which I'll touch on a little bit later because that's kind of interesting. Sure. Uh, getting the press pass, we we had access to all the VIP areas, and it came in handy. But it, it you, really is. Did you pay? Did you pay for the VIP, or was that given to you because the? It was given to me. I paid for tickets. I bought them back when they sure. went on sale. Yeah, yeah. And general then, admission or whatever. Here, here's the whole thing about about these fests. First off, six or seven years ago, there was nothing. There was no hard rock fest. Period. All the fests had kind of died yep. down, and everything like that. So the first time that I saw Rock on the Range, I was like. Hell yeah, let's go. And the lineup didn't completely intrigue me 100%, but I was like, there's nothing else out there. Boom, it would sell out right away. Then I would see Rocklahoma was was uh, selling out all the time. And all these fests, Northern Invasion 2, they always sell out. And, yeah. and from a business perspective, it's genius for, for a couple of reasons. First off, just like Northern Invasion, it's not, it's not held in the sexiest of location. They're not, putting, yeah. they're not putting this in the normal, like, domes or amphitheaters that, that normally the big acts come into town. All the ones down in Florida, too, are, like, at minor league baseball stadiums or just random damn places that they're, they're picking, and they always sell out. And I don't think that that's because they're geniuses. It's because there's nothing else out there. Yeah, man, I, mean, I was really impressed with uh, the amount of interviews you ha- had and the, the pictures were, I mean, you were right there. So, I mean, you basically used the connection with Decibel Geek, which is obviously a, a power, a force in the music industry, along with the, the growing strength of Cobras and Fire, right? Yes. Yes, we are sucking at the teat of <laughs> Decibel Geek. Right, right. Nice teats, though. Nice but, teats. Yeah. So, all right. so, so break it down. So you just kind of work that angle and... Sure, yeah. Some- I mean, I was covering it for Decibel Geek. Right. You know, I... I, my article went up on Monday, I believe. You yep, can see that at decibelgeek.com. And first on my agenda was getting Crobot. Uh, they were the first non-local band winning a competition on stage that day. So what they play, like 2 o'clock? Oh, earlier than that. It was 12.30, I think. 1 o'clock? I don't know. They were great. I, I haven't seen them before. You've heard their record, or have you seen I've them? Heard, I've heard a bit. I've heard a couple songs on, on Decibel Geek before, and I've uh, perused their their album on Spotify. I have not purchased it. And I like I, I like some of their stuff. It's I've got you can give me like like YNT if you want to give me a starter kit of songs or at least what what song do you want us to feature on the on the show today? I don't not next- like them. I just I just don't know that much about them yet. Well, if I'm picking a song, it's probably the Necromancer. Okay, so Necromancer. But I will tell you this: you've yeah, heard that some of their music, though, right? It's not like this high energy stuff. You know, it's it's got a nice sluggy, almost you know, it's a very very much stoner rock. You know, would um, you compare them to? Not as much as that they sound just like them, but they kind of had like a clutch feel to me. Like, they're yeah, just I think kind of, clutch is a good comparison. Okay. Um, I, I think uh, Pentagram is a band that I think they sound the most like. Okay. But I, I hear influences of you know Soundgarden even a little bit. But they came out, and on, I think what I wrote in my article was they stormed the stage like Kanye had just found out Beyonce didn't win something. They, <laughs> yeah, they were, I like that quote. I, I put that on the Facebook. <laughs> they were unbelievable. They were all over the place, and it actually worked. Yeah. You know I, I mean, imagine seeing, you know, uh, I don't know, Black Sabbath come out, but like Tony Iommi is just flying across the stage. And, right. You know, geezers whipping, you know, jumping around and stuff. Uh, but yeah, they were so much fun. And actually, I, I mentioned this in my article too, but I, it really worked out good because so many times these festivals, the early parts just drag as you watch unprepared, unprofessional bands, and it's oh, like... It's unbelievable, isn't it? You're constantly looking at your watch going, seriously, it's only been eight minutes? It's like, <laughs> when is this going to be over? And, and I did not have that, that problem with Crowbot. They were, they were better than I anticipated. They sounded better than the record, and I love the record.
see him again. I guess so I'm getting it. Yeah, no, that's it's great to hear. I mean, I can see them being energetic, and and that's the thing about because we're gonna kind of be doing a point counterpoint throughout the show, and sure. that is with with these fests. If you take a look at them, if you start looking at the lineups, currently Crowbot is on tour with Anthrax and Volbeat. So right. That's the, that's the set. And everyone... And I would just, like just that show to come to my town. Exactly. And that's the problem with a lot of these fests a lot of times is they they take residence in a town and that's the only taste you're going to get of these these bands. That happens to I me. can counterpoint that, though. Oh, well, just a moment. So yep. down, down in Florida, the, the, it is... Florida. Very, yeah, Florida, as you like to say. Bands do not come down here. They do not fucking come down here on the tour. Where the fuck in Florida do you live? South oh, West Palm. So it's like, you know, near the bottom. Right. They'll come to maybe Orlando, maybe Tampa. Jacksonville is usually as far low. Not Miami? Fuck no. No. So there's a reason that people don't come to South Florida, and that is the, <laughs> the expense. I mean, as you know, as being the, you know, the Led Zeppelin of the Twin Cities and touring as Jesus Chrysler. You know, you, there are expenses from from doing venues three hours away, et cetera. And in Florida, basically, you know, being the the droopy nutsack of the United States, you know, it's all it's all the way down there. And you got you, you know to go all the way down to you know the the bottom ball here. You know, it, it's it's hard to get all the way down there. So they don't come down here. So, so the I've only heard. time that like a Volbeat and an Anthrax, et cetera, would come down would be in one of these fests. And that is unfortunate because that means I'm getting a 30-minute set from Anthrax and maybe, if I pray to the rock gods, a 50-minute set from Volbeat, which I experienced at the, the one of the fests down here last year. So that is one of the reasons that it's kind of a detriment is these fests. Is that they, you look at it, those three bands, if you take a look at the rosters, it's basically these bastardized versions of, you can almost look at the, all these different fests from AEG Live and you'll know who the hell is on tour. But unfortunately, if they show up, if their stop in your town is from there, you're going to get a much smaller set.
So go ahead. I counter, do. Counterpoint that. Flip it well, to, to your point, I would be lying, especially when it came to the bands that I enjoyed. Well, I guess only for the bands that I've enjoyed. Right. If there weren't many parts of the day where I was like, God, I wish they would have played a little bit longer. That said, the point of these festivals isn't so much to give you the perfect Anthrax show or the perfect Volbeat. It's an opportunity to see a lot of different music in one day. And because of that, I really like the the way these things are done. I don't mind the 20-minute, 30-minute sets of, of a lot of the, the bands that play before 7 o'clock. It, it, it's just... It, it, but I, I have to admit, I live in an area that all these bands typically do go, come through. And I you don't. do get to see yeah. a, a longer set. I can you see know, that. I, yeah, I, I live in the Twin Cities. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I'm a 20-minute drive from any venue in, that a band would play here, whether it's a Y&T at a bar or you know, you know, uh, a bigger band like you know the Foo Fighters are going to be here at, at Excel Energy Center. Things of that nature. But... I just I like it. I like the event feel of it. I like the outdoors. I like the whole thing. It doesn't bother me as much as it, like I said. It still goes through my head, especially I have by uh, taking pictures of these bands for the first parts of, of all of their sets. I actually missed pretty much everything that was going on while I was doing that because I'm, I'm so focused on getting a good shot. So I had to go back and take what I could after the first three songs. As far as enjoying the show, I, I I didn't get as much as I would have, you know, at other times. But that can I interject had, real quick? Yeah. Okay. So, this is just a public service announcement for all you you concert goers out there. When you go to a concert, you are there to be in the moment, to listen to music, <laughs> and have a good and have a good fucking time rocking out. If you want to take pictures, take it in the first song. Every pose that the band does that looks cool is done in the first song or two. Bands well, you're not going to capture it on your fucking cell phone. I'm so. just talking about taking pictures, just in yeah. general. If you want to take pictures, bust those motherfuckers out right in the beginning. Bands are trained to do those cool poses in the beginning because usually the press, the people that are actually in the press, go there yeah. and take their pictures, and they don't even care about the bands, and they go home. That's what they're trained to do. Do not take video. Do not bring your goddamn iPad to the to the concert there's a guy at sammy that had this that was that was blocking my view and i, I basically it, it just it's insane the fact that people bring this in there it they nobody is what you're you're taping video that nobody will watch including yourself it sounds horrible and there's some asshole somewhere else that's taking that video for you that you can go on youtube the next day possibly exactly before, before yeah. the show is even done so whatever moment but you want to live in because it wasn't you Put down your phone. That there's an article that came out that I posted that says more than half of the audience is looking through their phone now from a survey that they did, and I can tell you that's true because I've been blocked so many times. Am I speaking out of turn here? Not at all. I will tell you this. I got two things to to comment on that. Uh, I saw, and, and I'm not joking or embellishing at all. No, oh, right. I saw. I saw more of that at YNT in a bar than I did at the entire time of Northern Invasion. <laughs> Why are you trying to time capsule it in the worst possible way? No, it's, it, it's, it's ridiculous. So anyway, you know, it all just comes down to just basic human etiquette at, at, at concerts. I'm right. like I'm like 6'2". You're a pretty tall guy too, right? Yeah, six feet. Yeah, exactly. So you kind of are at least aware if there's somebody that's like 5'2 behind you you, you, you allow them to stand in front of you, right? I mean, I do. It's usually my wife. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But in general, you know, you just think like, okay, I'm right here. It's a general admission show. Uh, I just got into this this kick-ass. Yeah, I try not to be a dick. I mean, there's only right. so much you can do at a certain point. But No, I know. But, some- like, if somebody's right behind you, you're like, at least, you're like, here you go. I'm, I'm going to be kind of cool. I'm not going to block you with my phone. I'm at least aware of this. So the thing that kind of bothers me about Rock and the Range, not just kind of, it really bothers me, and it actually made me stop going, which I'm, I'll, I'll go into in a little bit, is... Was there crowd surfing at Northern Invasion? No, and no moshing either. I don't know how they controlled it. Okay. Now, Rock in the Range, on all the signs, it says crowd surfing strongly discouraged. <laughs> Doesn't say it's not allowed. It says discouraged. Do they have any kind of signs like that at all at Northern no, Invasion? No, nothing I saw. Okay. Well, anyway... So, you know, for this is a general admission show. So you have you can pay extra to be on the floor versus the stadium seats, but it's all, you know, free for all, get up close to the, the bands you want to see. 
And they offer – the only VIP they offer at Rock on the Range is these seats. Now, tell me if this is seems asked backwards. For the main stage, if you pay VIP, which is an exorbitant amount, you – only can stand above the band on these rafters to the left and right behind them, <laughs> behind behind them as they play. Best seat in the house. They're so all looking, backstage. Yeah, so you're getting the audio terrible. You're looking at the band behind them. You're bas- you're behind the drummer essentially. Is is what the VIP they have. They have nothing in front of the stage. But here's what they do have, and this is the thing that finally made Hot me stop going. They have well. First off, the 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 food that they do have is hot dogs, hamburgers, and beer basically all day. They don't have. The, the, you're going to get me sidetracked on a bunch of different stuff. I'm going to focus here. Crowd surfing. <laughs> I have seen crowd surfing in all different forms over the years. You have never seen anything like it at this this place. I'm talking about if you go up high, all you see is basically an assembly line, almost like a conveyor belt of human beings going from the back to the front <laughs> constantly. You just Google that. That's there. why it's VIP seating, the best view for the crowd surfing. Uh, no. It, what it is is the problem is is that if you cannot enjoy the show because th- there was this one dude that I saw three years in a row, and that is Nuno Betancourt from Extreme. He looks exactly like him, and he would constantly fall on top of my fucking head over and over again he would, uh, he, it, and they had the, they had this slot in the middle of of the stadium, where I realized that podcasts are not a visual me- medium. But imagine the front of the stage, and then the the center of the stage is essentially a hallway that, that is about twenty percent of yeah. the front. That entire section is only there, and they have tons of security for when the crowd surfers get to the front, they dump them out. They pull them in the middle and they bring them to the back, and then those motherfuckers start in the back and go to the front again, over and over again. They never stop it. So the now entire now say that there, there must have been some going on in Northern Invasion because I did see a couple of people that got escorted through the photo pit. Okay, a few, but I'm saying that it is it is to the degree where you cannot enjoy the show because you're constantly getting kicked in the head, and or having somebody fall. Yeah, on I, you. I I do know what that feeling is like, and that is kind of ridiculous. You're, you're paranoid, so you can't you can't be up front and enjoy it. This, the, the other point is you pay VIP prices. You know where you don't have VIP seats? You don't have them in front of the stage and the main stage. You have no VIP seats at the second stage, which a lot of the times are some of the best bands. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the up-and-comers yeah. and whatnot. Zero seats there, and you have nothing on the third stage too. So it's kind of a clusterfuck where they – like me, I'd be willing to pay some some good money if I had the ability to actually be in front of the stage away from Nuno Betancourt and his and – his, uh, you know his band of, of, of merry idiots. That is what... As far as I'm concerned, they nailed the VIP at, at Northern Invasion. Did they? See, that's... They yeah. also have... it. I think they have VIP at Mark, Oklahoma, too, in front of the stage, too. It's like... I, do, I just don't understand... It wasn't in front of the stage. It was more uh, amenities that other people couldn't get at. Yeah? Like what? Well, there was a, a, a permanent structure, just kind of like a, a pavilion. Inside mm-hmm. there, there was a bar. But the, the big attraction there, at least that, that I have really enjoyed was basically just a wall size LED TV and they had these little tiny mini towers of uh, of PA speakers and they had a direct feed from the PA and so you're seeing like you know, HD video of the bands close up on stage and they just cranked the shit out of it so you're you're still kind of outside but you're protected from the sun and it's loud as fuck and you can see everything and you can just relax that was really cool and so then you could uh, take a break. You could take a break there, and then still yeah, be and able not to miss hear. anything. You could you could sit there all day and see the two stages, and probably get a better view than you ever would there. Plus, they they did a really good job of emulating that live feel with the, the little mini PA. Uh, right, good speakers and stuff. Got it. Yeah, and because it, it it was like these little towers of PA speakers on, like almost like it was a stage. And then there was a VIP tent across the way that had a bathroom, which really came in handy. I probably used it more for that. But that one was kind of up on the hill to the side of the main stage, and they had all these Adirondack chairs that you could just kind of kick back. You know, if you're an old-timer like myself and you don't need to get yep. down low and fight the pit, you can sit there. They still have the big screens on the sides of the stage, so you can still see what's going on. But you can kind of relax and enjoy yourself. You don't have to worry about you know sitting on the hill where people are walking by you and you know possibly stepping on you and things of that nature. You know that you, know, you get people that are plenty drunk. So I think they did a really good job. But usually, I think the VIP stuff 
is just a, a garbage way to get extra money, kind of like what you you just described. Right. But I was surprised that how because I, I was like when they told me that you know the the press pass included access to VIP areas, like oh big deal, yeah. <laughs> but I was it was pretty cool. So yeah, so these fests, the thing that that drives me insane is, you know, a lot of the times what I call them is the bands are listed on a seeing eye chart. Do you know? I love I mean? that term. Okay, so you shared it with me before. It's okay, perfect. so you know you start with the, the headliners up there, and as soon as you get to the the newer bands, it gets smaller and smaller, and you really got to squint your eyes. And those are the ones that that for three years at Rock on the Range, I kept investigating, and and, and I was very excited because I discovered a lot of new bands that way. So you know that's how I discovered you know a band that you like like Boba Flex, but there's also one called Bad City that I'll introduce you to sometime soon. There's yeah. one called Hail the Villain. There's one called Damn Things. Um, oh, I love the damn thing. Oh, you do? Great. So it was all those kind of like smaller bands, and it was great. And then what happened is, and that's that's why I think is the problem with these fests. Call it five years from now, kind of like you, we discussed um, off 
off mic of what happens yeah. in Ozfest is these fests feature the same bands about every two years as a cycle. Not every three years, but you're kind of yeah. seeing the same lineup. Like Slash is there for the, I think, fourth time. Volbeat <laughs> is there for the fourth time in five years. And these are bands that I enjoy, but it's the same kind of thing over and over again. And on the flip side, after the three-year mark of, of that, the bands on the Seeing Eye chart in the bottom were fucking horrible. It was like the end of of new undiscovered bands the last couple of years. There's bands like Young, yeah. Gun, Young Guns and just awful <laughs> Octane. Uh, they were at uh, uh, Northern Invasion. Were they? Okay. So that's... They get to see them. I uh, was in the media tent at that point. Mm-hmm, probably was. But the the whole <laughs> the, the whole breakdown is is that the, the problem with this too is there are so many as we'll show on future episodes and, and, and that we've already shown is that where's Rock Live right now? Does it live in the uh, United States predominantly? No, no. Okay. So the bands, unfortunately, that are on this, that kind of show the 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 uh, the underbelly of of rock in the United States is that the the pickings are kind of slim. That's why they keep recycling the same ones over and over again. It's kind of going to finally burn itself out because it's hard for these greater bands, these better bands out there to, to get over here because obviously the as you know from being in a band, that these people are either being paying nothing or they're paying to play for the first couple hours yeah, typically, a day. Typically paying. P- paying and helping out the, the yeah. cost of the, the Volbeats and the Slipknots and, and, and whatnot, right? To supplement the cost. Exactly. And you're touching on the one smart thing Gene Simmons said in the last 20 years and probably the thing he was shredded for the most. Rock is dead. I know that's, that's our catchphrase on the show, but he's not wrong. No, he's it's, not. It's just, it's not a... a, a, a a viable business model. This is one of the the only thing I respect about. There you a, go. There you a, go. The only thing I respect about AEG is they they know that there is a demand out there and they can put it in some of the most ramshackle. Even though you said you like the setup in Northern Invasion, but you know it's got to be cheap to rent that place compared to. I would think so. D- different type of setups, and they go to you know the um, second tier of stadiums and things like that, and they keep just throwing everything at the wall. And grabbing these bands that are already on tour, throwing them. But there at them. is a demand for it. I mean, there was thirty thousand yes, people in in this this town of uh, eight hundred in Wisconsin. And that's what I'm saying. It, but but they could make it. They could make it better. All right, that's what you call a podcast cliffhanger. Be sure to return for part two of our discussion, recapping the rest of Baco's adventures at Northern Invasion, as well as also continuing our talk of the music industry in general. We'll be covering the rest of the bands that day, including the awfulness of In This Moment, Hailstorm, Volbeat, Five Finger Durst Punch, Slipknot. So be sure to hit the subscribe button on whatever your favorite podcast app is, and we will talk to you next week. This is Loose Cannon signing out.
What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom is dead. My mom is right there. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, the Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.